Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim. The topic of our podcast today is the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. Murders that occurred, a, tri- a triple homicide, which occurred back in 1977 at Camp Scott in Mays County, Oklahoma. Uh, it's an unsolved murder, uh, although uh, police identified a pretty uh, solid suspect. Uh, but as of today, it's, it remains unsolved. The, the victims were three Girl Scouts. Uh, between the ages of 8 and 10, they were raped and murdered on June 13, 1977. Um, so we'll get into this uh, gruesome story. But before we do, let me introduce our panel. I am happy to introduce the very lovely and talented, uh, the legendary, Queen of Mean, pill popping, penis loving, Satan's dirty little secret, Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? I'm good, and I'm. Just, I got so much to say about this whole topic that we're covering today. Do you? I do. I do have a lot to say. As you know, I have been fired up recently about the little penis wrinkle that got parole or got basically probation for, you know, attempted rape or whatever the yeah. hell that was. And there's yeah. been a couple the of The guy things. in Stamp from Sanford. Yeah. So I am so pumped and ready to talk about this topic. Yeah. I'm a, sure you're excited for me it, to talk about it as well. I am. And it's a it's a grisly story. It's like out of a horror movie or something. Uh, a teen slasher movie. Uh, but this one is real. It really happened. And uh, uh, it's pretty, pretty sick stuff. But uh, we're going to get into it. I'm glad you're okay. And let me introduce our uh, the third member of our panel, a man of great esteem, yeah. uh, a man really who needs no introduction, but we give him one every week anyway. That is the very honorable Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as Southern Gentleman. How are you, Colonel? Why does he get Reverend, reverend and today, I don't? Timmy? Why do you get what? Why does he get Reverend and I don't? I don't get Reverend and I'm a Reverend too. Because you don't have your own church, you don't practice your religion, you don't walk with Jesus like I do, girl. Well, a walking motherfucker over here. I, you you right, might, yeah. I know who you walk with. You well, walk hand right. in hand with the devil. Do you? Do you so in your church, Brandy, in the, in I don't the dark, have my own church because I'm not Jim Baker. <laughs> I am I mean, a reverend, however. But I mean, in your your religion, quote unquote, 
Yeah, quote unquote. What do you have reverence or do you what do you I am are you talking about Mormons? No, no, I was talking about your Satanism. What? Uh, your no, I don't know. <laughs> they do they have reverence in the Church of Satan? They have I don't high priestesses. So. Oh. Yeah. Are you a high priest? Priestess? No, I am a rev- I am an ordained reverend person. Okay, from now on I will introduce you as such. Sha, recognize um, Charles, Colonel. Yes, how, sir. How, how are things with you? Not that they, we care, but keep it brief. How, yeah, how are things? <laughs> things, are, things are going wonderful with me, Timmy. Uh, you know, the colonel lives a charm life for the most part. Yes, we know. Um, yeah. I got, you know, the only thing I have to worry about is, you know, the occasional stalker. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, um, I can't really say things are going bad. That's good. Um, I do want to come back to one topic from last time. Um, when we t- when we did the Anise Jones episode, which by the way, got it's getting a lot of downloads, so we appreciate that. Um, Brandy mentioned the story of finding a vagina, a picture of a vagina on my phone. Yes, I would just like to point out that was years ago. Am I correct? Well, that was years. that was BC. That was BC. That was before Clara. Yeah, it's been what at least two. It's been a year. Okay, and would you say when you met me, I was I had some. Different relationships that were not always the best. You had some scurvy ass one night stands all the time. <laughs> Ratchet horse. Remember Inky? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. And Timmy or- went out oh, with a girl Wait, he met on a Dirty Diana. Dirty Diana. Dirty. Yeah. Timmy she, used to be a girl in prison. Had a drug problem. <laughs> slight. She was slight. in recovery. Okay. Blah blah. They're blah. always in recovery. Okay, but but we will agree that I, I've changed in the last couple of years. Will we agree to that? Sure. Uh, no, sure. I, I'll concede that. Okay. Thank you very much. It'll okay. make you feel better. Well, it'll make my life easier. Okay. So now that we've cleared that, and your girlfriends can understand what we're saying anyway. Clara can understand English. Okay. So um, now that we've cleared that, uh, misnomer. Oh, sure. (laughs) It's got a misnomer. That's the wrong word, but okay. Uh, 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 I I do want to give a shout-out to uh, our sponsors uh, who sponsor us on Patreon. Alicia and Chip, Cindy Lou, Bridget, and Jahara. We appreciate so much your support. If, um, If you would like to support us on Patreon... Just go to patreon.com slash historydweebs, and you can give as much or as little as you like. We Anything helps, so even if it's a wee bit, we would really appreciate it. Oh, just a wee bit. If you can just spare a wee bit for us. Nope, don't do that. Uh, I would also like to give a special shout-out to a friend of mine, who my, my closest and dearest friend, who um, I did not realize even listened to our podcast. Charles, but she, were you hurt by that? Um, but um, she actually is very instrumental in the podcast. She helped me out with a lot of the technical issues when we first started, and she created our logo. She's very talented and very sweet, and that's Sherry from Long Island. So, Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much thank for you, your Sherry. help. She thinks you guys are funny. I don't know why. Because we are. Yeah, I don't know about that. We are funny people. Okay, you ready to jump into the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders? Oh, let's jump. Let's we, jump. You know, we and, and Brandy jumped. I just want to, we touched on that last thing. I thought we were going to get in. Okay, we'll get into it, but. You were wrong. Um, I, I said a couple things about Mr. French. Mm-hmm. I did not thing. say anything about Mr. French. 
Sebastian Cabot. Sebastian Cabot. I merely said there was sheep, there was ale. I'm not saying he got drunk and molested said sheep. Charles, that's all I'm that saying. did not happen. Do not defame the dead. I, that's that what happened. I'm saying. I'm not saying that. Yes. Good. I'm glad I'm you're not saying that. he was around that. sheep and around ale. A person could jump to the conclusion that he might have been... Look, Glenn Beck, let's not do that. Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. Let's don't besmirch the, the, the we deceased. We don't need to besmirch the deceased. We can besmirch the living. I think we do have to start out with this show, though. We don't normally do the shout-outs, but we got to start out the show with a shout-out to Brittany and Chris, don't we? Oh, yes. Let's do that. Because they got married. They did. And congratulations, Could you imagine guys. trying to make an honest woman out of Brittany? I just yell, oh, because that makes me happy to do it's that. It's not going to happen. It's a celebration word. I hope they give us details of their honeymoon. Nope. And includes, I imagine include they include video. You know they got pictures. Nope. Oh, yeah. Chris, you know you got pictures of it. Uh, put out little Could pixelate the. They should have put parts. it out on Periscope. Periscope, yeah, because you know Chris had his Periscope up. Oh, that really? Was right. Okay, Come on. okay. No. somebody give me a high five. No, no. High, high five yourself, high no five. friends. Fist bump. Fist bump. Fist bump. Okay. okay. All right, let's get into it. High five the... yourself, no friends. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into this story because this is, you know what? I, I was, I actually, I actually did research on this story. Yeah, I know. You, you, I'm so proud of both of you because you both read the script and you're ready to go on oh, this. Oh, I didn't, but I am ready to go. <laughs> no, this was a. Uh, this is a really interesting story to me. Thank it, you, Charles. Really, I mean, it's it's a horrible story. Yeah, I can't take credit uh, for. I can take credit for researching it. I can't take credit for the murders. No, you can't. No, but um, I can. I can take credit for. Well, I think you probably. But could. this was very. Um, it seems so. I mean, it's. You know, and one thing that you're going to have to make words that. String them together the that makes sense. If you quit interrupting me, devil. Jesus Christ! Not and say something. Story. It just reminds you of a slasher film. Yes, yes, it does. I mean, it, that's what it reminded me of. As I was doing my research, now you had you been listening, this is all going to be say, new. Just say the same. But thing. I mean, I kept thinking Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. in my head. I kept thinking. Yeah, Friday apparently the, the director of Friday the Thirteenth or the producer or someone they asked him if if they he based some mm-hmm. of the episodes on it. He denies it. He says no. But when we go through the story, it does. You're you're saying you're right. It it. it does seem like a 70s or 80s uh, horror movie. Okay, so we're going to talk about, we're talking about the uh, Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. Again, the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders remains unsolved. Uh, it was a um, triple homicide that occurred on the morning or evening of June 12th, morning of June 13th, 1977 at Camp Scott in Mays County, hmm. Oklahoma. Hmm. Three, the victims were three Girl Scouts between the ages of 8 and 10. If you see their pictures, I'll post them up on our page. These cute little girls. They were raped and murdered. Uh, in, uh, well, two of them, were, they believe, were killed inside the tent. The, the third one, they believe, was raped and murdered outside the tent. Uh, and their bodies were left in sleeping bags uh, out near the trail, about 150 yards from the tent. Uh, a little bit about Camp Scott. Camp Scott is located in Locust Grove, Oklahoma. Did Wait. you start it? Did, did I you start Camp Scott? No, I did not. It's For not, wayward girls? No, no, it's no. It's not named after your it's not named after, no, or something? No. Charity that you have? And no, no. It's I, for single mothers. No. <laughs> you know, Timmy loves those single mothers. I, I do a lot of work. I do a lot of work for single mothers. He does mothers. do a lot of work for some good work for single mothers. Yes. But Camp Scott uh, is located in Locust Grove, Oklahoma. It's 40 miles from Tulsa. 
Uh, it had been, up to that point, operating for 49 years. Um, and June 12, 1977, was the opening day for the camp of that summer. The camp was used by Girl Scouts and Brownies, as well as um, the y, YMCA for, um, you know, it, it, for camping during the summer. It was a 400-acre camp. Um, and like I said, it's just three miles southeast of Locust Grove, which is uh, near Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was operated by the Magic Empire Council of Girl Scouts. That sounds like a weird title. I don't like that. Yeah, the title like sounds weird. Sounds like a cult. <laughs> yeah, since 1928. So they, they had operated it for a long time. Uh, it, was the, it was perfect for boating, hiking, fishing, and camping. Um, most of the Girl Scouts had come from the Tulsa uh, metropolitan area to attend summer camp. Did you ever attend camping when you were a younger colonel? I did, and, you know, quick aside, I was in the fifth grade. We, they partnered us up um, to go get some firewood. You were a Girl Scout. Boy were Scouts. Scout? No, it was just a summer camp we went to. My partner was Rick Taylor. Mm-hmm. And why in the hell, now looking back on this, they gave us hatchets. To go out in the woods and get. <laughs> yeah, I wonder that, but they don't do that today. No, and and Rick, my partner, mm-hmm. he uh, he swung at a tree, the hatchet bounced out and came right into the crease his knee, Ooh. his kneecap. Ooh. The head. No, this guy had problems with it for the rest of his life. Oh, I played yes. baseball with him later. And, and you know, could I think have easily back been and think, castrated. <laughs> yeah, could, it, why the hell are you giving a fifth grade a hatchet? Yeah. It wasn't very bright. I, I, was, I, I never went to camp. I was in Boy Scouts for a couple of weeks, but then, um, you know, I, no, I, I, was, I, I was, was kicked out because I was protesting because it was a paramilitary organization, and, you know, they, I started a protest, and then they, they, they kicked me. you out? They kicked me out. The Boy Scouts? Yeah. I have trouble with some of my knots. Figures. Not so hard. <clears throat> some of your what? Knots. Knots. Knots? Yeah, not no. so hard. No, no, you know, once you get the knots down, and no. Learning how to good, I'll tell you this. Learning how to good, tie a good knot comes in handy, Timmy. Why not? I made I made uh, what is it? Um, tenderfoot. Oh, did you? A, yeah. But there was guys like in my group that had been there like a year and never made tenderfoot. Yeah, some some people didn't make tenderfoot. You know, it was like years. But all right. Anyway, back to the story. You weren't even. Were you a weeblow? You didn't make I, it to weeblow, did you? I don't know what weeblow is. I, I the first level was tenderfoot. And you had to make some knots. I did that, but then I dropped out. I lost interest. Um, so anyway, Camp Scott. Um, it was operated by the Magic uh, Empire, Magic Empire Council of Girl Scouts. It does sound like wizards or something, doesn't it? It does. Uh, it was perfect for boating, fishing, camping. Uh, as I said, most of the girls were from the Tulsa area. On June 12, 1977, it was the first day of camp. Around 6 p.m. that evening, a thunderstorm hit, and the girls huddled in their camp. Now, the camps was broke. The camp had different areas, and they were all named after different Indian tribes, Native American tribes. I'm going to say Indians in this sometimes, so just if I'm not politically correct, uh, just overlook it. Um, but this this was a area in Oklahoma that uh, was uh, inhabited by a lot of Native Americans, and that comes into play a little bit later on. But the camp itself was broken into different uh, areas, and uh, among uh, the, one of the areas was called the Kiowa area, 
and it had uh, seven tents plus the counselor's tent. So every area had so many tents, and then they had a counselor where the girls were at, and then they had a tent for the counselor. Um, in, in this particular area, there was a camp, uh, a tent number seven, and, and in t t tent number seven, there were three girls, Lori Lee Farmer, age eight, Doris Denise Miller, age 10, and Michelle Geis, age nine. There was supposed to be a fourth um, tent, a uh, person in the tent. All, every tent was supposed to have four people, but there was some clerical error, and only three girls uh, were assigned to this tent. They were going to, the other girl was uh, mistakenly assigned to a different tent, and they were going to make the switch the following day, uh, which, you know, tragically, um, well, you know, fortunately for her, um, these murders occurred before she switched over. Now, tent number seven in the Kiowa area set was set uh, off from the other tents. It was the furthest away from the counselor's tent and from the other tent. So it was out kind of like by itself. Uh, it was on the outer edge of the uh, camp and isolated from, you know, the other folks, the other tents. Well, and it was, I don't know if you have this, the tents where the, the camps themselves were set up, mm -hmm. um, each camp had a number of tents in it. Mm -hmm. um, that particular camp was the most isolated yes. camp of the camps, and of, at that camp, mm -hmm. that tent... So they were literally in the most isolated spot in the camp. Yeah, and you're putting you're putting in there an eight, nine, and ten year old. Yeah, and the adults who had seen it said, you know, that later on people when they when they were investigating this, you know, there were adults who said, you know, there's no way I would have stayed, you know, in that particular tent because it was so far away. Anyway, as night fell upon the camp, and then, and we'll post up a uh, and kind of a blueprint of the area so you can see on, on our History Dreams group page um, so you can see how the camps were arranged. But anyway, as night fell in the camp, counselors started to make sure um, to uh, go around and, you know, walk around the campsites to make sure that the girls were okay and that uh, they were each in their assigned tents. The counselor in this night... Um, was walking around the area, saw a dim light in the woods uh, that disappeared. Um, she wrote it off as some kind of prank, uh, so she didn't really investigate it and just went back to bed. At 2 uh, a.m., counselors heard uh, Girl Scouts making noises and went to quiet, uh, quiet them. Several of the Girl Scouts told the counselor at the time that a man had looked in their tent and then walked away. Others th said they heard uh, someone outside their tent. Another Girl Scout was heard screaming, Mama, Mama, at 2 a.m. She said a man grabbed them as they tried to grab them as she walked to the bathroom. And nothing? Nobody says, hey, maybe we should? Well, one girl became so hysterical in the woods that she, because she thought she saw a man. She told counselors she saw a man. Now, the counselors uh, told the girls to go back to sleep. The counselors thought basically the girls were scaring themselves. Jeez, yeah. 
Because that's what you want to do is just blow off these girls. Well, and I don't, I mean, I never attended camp, but you know, you know, it's stereotypically at these camps, kids do tell ghost stories yes, and, they do. and try to scare yourself. But the thing is, the counselor, and you'll get, we'll get into this a little bit later, actually, the counselor was scared and admitted later that she didn't want to check into it because, you know, she was a bit frightened herself. Um, the flashlight that was shine that was, that she saw shining was like a pin, a pin light. Pin light, mm-hmm. yeah. But later, when they found the flashlight, it was a it was a large flashlight, one of those plastic ones with the big C battery. Yeah, the big the handle, C, the big D battery. Yeah, square batteries and the handle plastic ones. But what had happened? The person who was using that flashlight, presumably the killer, had put paper in in it. To uh, oh, so it wouldn't shine so bright that only a, like a pin light would shine out uh, because it was very dark. Um, so anyway, counselors tell the girls to go back to sleep. Uh, they didn't look around for the strange man uh, that the girls had told him about, and like I said later, the counselors would uh, they would admit that they were just really too afraid to look around. So Jesus. Um, that's how the evening started. You know what surprised me about this, Timmy, listening to it? And I know you can't be around a bunch of girls, but mm-hmm. it's Oklahoma. Everybody got guns. You know, I mean, it's kind of a gun culture that if you're yeah. out in the woods, you're going to have rifles or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was back before people were so sensitive about guns, you know, being around children. Mm-hmm. It surprised me that nobody was armed. Yeah. So, uh, Brandy, what happens next? So, at 6.30 on Tuesday, June 13th, Carla Sue Willett, uh, who was a counselor, went to take an early shower. She wanted to make sure she got all the hot water, because, you know, she's a bitch like that. <laughs> well, I, I don't and know. Wants, or, early bird gets the worm, I say. Yeah, I know you say. You know, if you want a worm, right, Carl? Well, I have not really hunted worms. In yeah, I've not been. You haven't hunted worms, Elmer Fudd? <laughs> Willie? <laughs> Never you hunt any, worms. Huh? Haven't you ever hunted night crawlers and sell them? I have. I've never sold them. Oh, we did that no. when we were kids. You, you what do you hunt worms with? You just have you to. You just your wait till it's raining. You wait till it rains. You know, when the ground is wet, then you grab no. them. You gotta get them fast because they jump into the hole. I mean, and you get like a whole quart of them, and you get like a dollar. Oh, get, sure, right. Was, I get that. It's a but I've never. Road. I would never say I went out hunting worms. Maybe gathering. Well, what you call maybe it? you just got some worms. Well, you gotta find them. But no, no, no. hunting implies that you're out there shooting them with a BB gun. Yeah, you're not really like Elmer Fudd. I mean, you're, yeah, you're like on the ground. You're trying hunting to Well, worms. no, when I go deer hunting, I don't take a weapon with me. Do you I go just, deer hunting? I just do chase you? the deer down, tackle him, and break it, just carry him back. I thought you just charmed him. I do. Sometimes I do that, too. <laughs> yeah. Continue, yeah. Brandy. Um, Why are so, you so cranky today, though? Yeah. She doesn't like stories where people get murdered. Oh, she likes those, but... Not when kids get murdered. Uh, she walked on the trail, and she noticed some things under a large tree. As, cl- as she got closer, she noticed that they were sleeping bags. Then she saw Doris Denise Milner's nude body. At that time, Carla couldn't see the other two dead bodies. They were still zipped up in the sleeping bags, and they were naked from the waist down. Yeah, and this is like on the trail, about 150 yards from... 
the uh, or about 150 feet from the tents. And the thing is, the cow. We mentioned how far far away you know the other ones. The the, the counselors, <coughs> the counselors' tent was 87 yards away yeah. from the, tent number seven. I mean, almost a football field away from where these little girls were. Bullshit. That's a long distance in the dark. Mm-hmm. Well, they should have never been that far away from them. Well, they've been doing this for years. Nothing had happened. And, and that's, you know, in Oklahoma, I mean, it's still... Because one counselor was saying, you know, she was afraid it was a wild animal, and I thought... Well, shit, you got wild animals out there. Why are you so... Yeah, but you remember these girls and, and counselors, they're probably all from Tulsa, so... Well, yeah, the city. Mm-hmm. So seven, by 7.30, law enforcement was there, and they had to start their investigation. A law enforcement officer who lived nearby was the first to the scene. Um, he checked the other two sleeping bags and discovered the bodies. At 8.30 in the morning, Mays County District Attorney Sidney Wise said all three of the victims had died from blunt trauma to the back of the head and strangulation. It just must have been a horrible scene, these little girls. The victims were Doris Milner, age 8, Lori Farmer, age 8, and Michelle Goose, age 10. Uh, this had been Dor- Doris Milner's first experience at camp, um, and she had actually begged her mom not to send her. Yeah, she was a little African-American girl, really cute. The girls um, were going to be at camp for two weeks. Finally, her parents convinced her to go and promised to come get her if she didn't like it. Um, prior to the murder, she had already she had already written a letter to her parents telling them to come get her. Just think of the guilt her parents must have felt forcing her to go, and then on the very first night, every oh the mother I'd seen an interview with the mother, and she just said. It's on me. Yeah, I made her go. And and the, I mean, we'll get into this no, later. No, it's not on her. When, but, but but she had a chance. She had there was an option between this girl going to two different camps, mm-hmm. and uh, the girl wanted to go to another camp, mm-hmm. um, and the mother made her go to this one. And yeah, and they treated these. I mean, these parents were treated awful during this experience, and we'll get we'll talk about that as we go along. Well. Uh, let's see. So at 10 a.m., Camp Scott was evacuated. Uh, they didn't tell the campers why the campsite was being closed um, after just the one night of camping. Buses arrived, took the remaining Girl Scouts to Tulsa, where they were reunited with their families. Um, Camp Scott closed for good on that day after nearly 50 years. Yeah, it never reopened. Just while we're here, talking about because I, I was watching a documentary on this, they, they interview the parents, and um, one of the parents, they they would only tell one of the Wait, parents... I'm going to stop you. What, is this something that I'm going to get no, to eventually? No, it's okay. not in there. They told one of the parents yeah. that... He withholds, he withholds information. Um, they told one of the parents that... Um, they, they told one of the parents that it was just an accident. And they said, you know, what happened? Was she okay? You just need to come. There's been an accident. So she didn't find out until they got there that the kid had been murdered. The uh, another parent, he found out that they, he was actually the third person. Yeah, that was some bullshit there. That they had called their insurance company first, they had called their attorney first, and then finally notified the parent. So these parents were, you know, you know, you know, you you. you Send your child away to camp thinking, you know, that they're going to be safe. And, you know, and one day into it, you know, you get a call that, like I said, the one was just told it was an accident. There was an accident. She wouldn't told anything until she got there and saw her 
daughter bludgeoned to death. Well, and some they didn't even know if they was dead or alive until the bus came back yeah, with the kids. Yeah, right. They were at the, uh, some of the parents who started, when the word got out that they was, you know, the, uh, some of the kids were murdered, uh, when they put them on the buses, the parents didn't know until the buses arrived whether their children were alive or not. It was, it was poorly, handled poorly. Um, so the investigation at the scene quickly revealed that all of the girls had links of cord uh, around their necks. They had been gagged and bound with two-inch wide black electrical tape. All of the victims had been sexually molested, and officers found their clothes a few feet from their bodies. The killer or killers carried the bodies approximately 100 to 150 yards from their tent and then just piled these girls underneath a big tree. Uh, at the scene, detectives found a large roll of black duct tape and a red and white 9-volt flashlight near the bodies. The lens of the flashlight... Oh, well, uh, there it is. The lens of the flashlight was partially covered to allow only a mere pencil of light through. So we already went through that once. Yes. Because you are a dream killer. Inside the death tent, Jesus, on a wooden platform floor, detectives found the bloody footprint of a waffle-type jungle boots. I don't know what that means, what a jungle boot is. Yeah, the, the inside of the tent, and I, I saw pictures of it, there was a lot of blood splatter, and apparently and there was a lot of blood. You're going to get into the next thing on it, so I'll just shut up. Um... But obviously there was a lot of blood because two, two of the children were murdered inside the tent. It appeared, the footprint appeared too large to be one of the victim's prints. It also appeared the killer tried to clean up the scene using a towel because they found a bloody towel inside one of the sleeping bags. Yeah, um, so it was like all smeared, the blood. It was all smeared all over the place. The, the wood floor was removed and sent to the crime lab for analysis. Um, of course, they found a lot of blood near the beds of the two girls. The other girl could have been strangled to death after being pulled from the tent. Shortly after the discovery of the bodies of the Girl Scouts, Governor, Governor David Boren ordered a task force of Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation agents and highway troopers to assist the Mays County authorities in the investigation. Governor Boren also arranged the use of three bloodhounds from Pennsylvania to help track down the killer or killers of these three little Girl Scouts. The local press referred to them as Wonder Dogs. The day after a slaying, a man is arrested seven miles from Camp Scott. Uh, he was then living in his car there, minding his business, um, and he was questioned by police and then released. Police announced to the press that several fingerprints were obtained. The fingerprints were found on the flashlight left at the scene, and the bodies of the victims and on the duct tape. Uh, the fingerprints would never be a match to a suspect. It was later determined the prints were too smeared to be used as evidence. Lawmen searched for a murder weapon and other pop possible evidence. During the search, officers found a roll of duct tape and a rope. Uh, a hair was found on the duct tape, and police believed it belonged to the killer. The evidence matched the items found on the three little Girl Scouts. Several rocks, a tire tool, and a crowbar were discovered at the ranch, but the items were not connected with the slayings. Huh. Although later, the police believe a crowbar was what was used for the the murders. But the items were not connected with the slayings. 
Yeah, they, they're they're during the investigation. They they had a lot of false leads. Well, but then it says police believe the crowbar was used as a murder weapon. Yeah, a crowbar, not that particular one. Oh, this says the crowbar. Okay, so it was a crowbar, but it was not right. that crowbar. Correct. Mm. Detectives found a footprints that matched the print at the death tent at Camp Scott. Three days after the brutal slaying, the hunt for evidence moved less than a mile west to the 110-acre ranch of 58-year-old Jack Schroff. Yeah, this guy gets a bad rap. The hunt moved because the bloodhounds led the lawman to his home in his pond. Mr. Schroff had reported that his home had been broken into a couple days before the murders. He submitted to a lie detector test and passed and was dismissed as a suspect. But word gets out in the press that Jack Schroff has been interviewed. An article appears in a local paper that Jack Schroff's photos and the word with Jack Schroff's photo and the word Slayer in bold type. Schroff had to be hospitalized because he started receiving very threatening phone calls and letters. Yeah, he got he was getting death threats from the community. I bet. They, they thought he was the one. Police began to interview counselors and anyone associated with Camp Scott. During the investigation, Camp Director Barbara Day said she knew the camp had received several threatening notes. Yeah. Uh, Less than two months before the murders, during an on-site training session, a camp counselor discovered that her belongings had been ransacked and somebody stole her donuts. Well, I feel her fucking pain. Somebody stole her fucking donuts? I had some more Pop-Tarts stolen. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. The Pop-Tart thief has struck again? They've returned, fuckers. Left me an empty goddamn box. Uh, hold on. You're telling me they took all the Pop-Tarts again? Yeah. How many Pop-Tarts was in there? There wasn't many, like one or two. What type? Okay. Were, what kind were they? A cherry. Right. Was that when I was on vacation? So I'm not even... A suspect. A suspect in this? No, that was like it was like that when I came in from the long weekend. Oh, so it was this past weekend. Okay. No shit. That's fucked up. It is fucked up. People are fuckers. Pop-Tarts. You know what? The Pop-Tarts deal. ain't no worse than Pop-Tarts deal. Pop-Tarts deal. Like stealing a horse. It's the the scum on the bottom of a gnat's foot. Well, inside... Gnat have feet? So at least this guy... Probably. At least this guy... So inside the donut box, at least she got something from this guy because he left her a little nasty handwritten note. What did the letter say? The writer of the note vowed to murder three campers. Because summer camps are rife with ghost stories, the note was treated as a prank. Well, nobody's fucking laughing now. Jesus, so this guy gave them every... I'm going to kill someone. Hey, guys, I'm going to kill three of them. Hey, hey. Right. And you know... Stop me. Once somebody... First of all, you should be on DEFCOM 5. Once, Once the donuts get stolen... You're on high donut. They'll do any guy. You are on high alert. Yeah. Somebody should have been sitting around with a shotgun. Oh hell yeah. You don't you don't bullshit Some old around man in overalls and a hat. Yeah. Should have just been hanging out. Um yeah, the camp director never considered the notes or the burglars to be serious and threw it away. So the, so I'm thinking that this means that whoever's stealing the Pop Tarts is gonna kill me. It could be. I'm against and we're not saying that's gonna I'm happen. against that. Yeah. Well, if you show up dead, then we'll connect the dots. Well, right, Colonel? Well, if you we show give, up dead. You've been given every morning. Every morning. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well, they didn't leave you a note telling you they were going to kill you. They just took your Pop-Tarts. <sighs> that's, um, that's kind of fucked up. Uh, they, a week or, so, week or so before the murders, a tent had been slashed with a knife. Again, it was written off as a child prank. 
So, hey, this is <laughs> this was my goddamn movie. You know what? And I bet the council is. It, it. I don't know if you get to this. When they found the bodies, did the councilors all say, "Let's split up and see who did it"? Well, no. <laughs> and they overlooked the man in the ski mask yeah. <laughs> walking around in the ski mask. Let's hide behind all these chainsaws back here <laughs> yeah. on the commercial. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Wounds, eyeglasses, and glasses cases were found throughout the camp. Yeah. This is. This will come into play later on. He apparently he was. He you know was, what? It's right here. Okay. Continue. I'm gonna kill you. All right. <laughs> all right. Police theorized the theft was uh, the thief was trying on different glasses to find a prescription that fit him. Because, you know, you, if you, you have so to find like out you see Now, that's blind even more Blind as a bat, that motherfucker. Huh? Motherfucker's blind as a bat. Why? Now, that's just <laughs> fucked up. You're going out to commit a serial murder, right? Mm. But you don't got your glasses? Yeah. Wouldn't you think you would get your prescription refilled before I, you go out? Because you need to see who you kill. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, you can't just go around slashing in the dark like yeah. Stevie Wonder with a Ginsu <laughs> knife. I mean, you can't. But you could, I guess. I guess you, you, you could. You, you could, but it, it's not as efficient. <laughs> uh, yeah, you waste a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, the task force polygraphed, and polygraphed many suspects and all passed. Ben Woodward, a ranger and custodian at Camp Scott, was polygraphed. He passed. Um, On June 24th, local county and state lawmen launched a massive air and ground search. What the fuck are they going to look for? How how do you guys feel about um, polygraph tests? Well, they work for Maury. I I know they work for Maury. And they work on Steve Wilco's show. But how do you feel about it? I don't believe in it myself. I don't believe that they're 100%. No, I don't think they're 100%. I think that they're a good indicator. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if somebody if somebody doesn't pass, that's certainly something that you need to look at. Because but would you rule someone more, out just because they passed it? I don't know. Because, well, but you have to remember that they're a lot more advanced now. I mean, right. you know, polygraphs now, they're... They're measuring a lot of shit. They're better than they were in 1977. Absolutely. Your, your dad, who's in law enforcement, does uh-huh. he... Is he pretty confident in polygraphs? Um, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever brought the topic up with okay. him. I'll have to ask. I have beat them in the past. I know you I'm have, Colonel. I'm sure you have. As long as, uh, it, it's not a lie as long as you believe it, Colonel. That's how you beat them. Yeah. All you do is just convince yourself mm-hmm. that it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, United Press International... But you have a problem convincing other people you have a big penis, though. Hmm? You have a problem convincing others if you haven't. I don't have a problem convincing people. It's just I have a little bit of problem when they want proof. (laughs) I see. Continue, Brandy. The kernel will grow and not to show it. I understand. Uh, United Press International was so very helpful, and they reported that authorities found the murder weapon. Uh, they said it was a crowbar, and police would be able to obtain several good fingerprints from the weapon. The police would neither confirm nor deny this report. Well. Uh, later, they were only able to find one good print, and the others were smudged. Rumors began to circulate that a local Cherokee medicine man had placed a curse on the bloodhounds. Now, I do believe in those. Okay, so no, this wasn't a rumor. He said it out loud in front of yeah, the police. The, there's this whole, in addition to this horrible, horrific murder that took place and this man, man that's on the way, it, because it's a, a uh, largely Native American population there. Were they on Indian land? They were on old 
Indian yeah, land. Yeah. They were on old Indian, and that part of it and was the serial killer thing was old Indian burial grounds. Yeah, sacred land. Always sacred Indian land. burial. Yeah. So, so this My, has I, this whole mystique of medicine men and you know migration of the soul and the and the and the guy turning into an animal, the the, the killer turning. I mean, it's all this paranormal stuff that's going on on the side of this but you know I disregarded all most of that for the story because I think it's nonsense but continue Brandy continue on fair lady so this medicine man put a curse on the bloodhounds and on June 24th one of the lead dogs did die of dehydration Fuck! Give the fucking dog something to drink. You know this thing, and, he, and these dogs cost like fifteen grand each. Back oh, at least, yeah. Months. I mean, they were they imported. Um, from, well, I mean, they bring them in from Pennsylvania. What kind of motherfucker? That's what I can't get though. Why did he put the curse on the dogs? Because they they felt that they were going to pin this on a Native American, right? And, and they, they, you know, it's it's sort of like the uh, making of the murderer thing. They thought that the police was going to plan evidence. It's, I mean, it, it becomes a whole battle between the, the locals. So this is probably something I'll get into. Yeah, I think Chuck will get into it. One of us, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, they didn't give the dogs anymore. A dog died of dehydration. Lawmen wouldn't say how they linked their investigation to a prime suspect, but they started looking for a convicted rapist in the area named Jean Leroy Hart. Now, Gene Leroy was a native um, was Native American born, as you could probably tell from his name, mm-hmm. uh, and raised less than three miles from the camp. He was full blooded Cherokee. He was a star athlete in high school and well known in the community. He was also convicted on August fourteenth, nineteen sixty six, on two counts of first degree rape and kidnapping. Colonel will get into the details of that a little bit later. On March sixteenth, nineteen sixty nine. Hart was paroled from Granite State Penitentiary. So, I'm sorry. Two counts of first-degree rape and kidnapping. And it was very gruesome. Gets you three fucking years. Yeah. Three fucking years. And it wasn't... Well, I shouldn't say it wasn't just rape. I mean, it was a... But I heard a... I heard one of the... I I saw one of the victims talking. It was sodomy, too. She said, and this this was... She said, he raped me... And she was very, you know, kind of in a with a dull effect, you know. Uh-huh. He raped me, um, and then the second time he sodomized me, I begged him not to. I beg- It was like she could deal with the rape, but the dirty flower. Please don't, you know, whatever yeah. you do. And he did that too. Um, yeah. He didn't get charged with that one; just a straight rape. Because it's really not that um, important. And, and no, it was just weird and, and how she. Only seemed to be upset talking about it when she was talking about being sodomized. She, like the rape, she kind of accepted, yeah. but the and sodomy was going a step too far. And Chuck's going to get into this a little bit later, more detail of this of this, <clears throat> of this action. But it's really pretty gross what he did to these. No. and these women were pregnant. These well, yeah, these were pregnant and, women. But, so. and, but three years. Yes. And three so, years. as a country, I'm gonna I'm gonna be Chuck for a minute. Okay. So as a country, we have not evolved in this since 1977. Yeah, you're right. That's what you. That's what this is. Yeah, it, we it got off not, pretty easy. You're right. Yeah, we have not evolved at all. Three years, we got probation. We've got three months. We've got what the fuck? Well, you got a peculiar thing about rape. And let me tell you, no, let no, me tell I you mean, something. There is something that's different. Is that 
Okay, Logan, my son, was held up at gunpoint. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, it, it's as, as he said, Logan's a peculiar kid, and the judge said, well, you must have been horrified or terrified. And he said, well, you know, it's a little unnerving having a gun pointed at you. But, now here's the thing. It was not traumatic for Logan to go to court to testify against these men who got caught. There was no real trauma involved in that. So what happens so many times in these rape cases is that they don't want to put the women through it again by going through court, so they plea bargain them to different things. And the sentences get greatly lowered because they use that leverage because the women, they know that the women don't want to relive this in the courtroom, whereas if you get uh, shot even, I mean robbed, whatever, you know, it's not a great thing, but it's not going to be... Life-altering. It's not going to be a thing where, oh, my God, it's just, you know, it's happening to me again. But this is why stuff doesn't get reported. Let me tell you something. I was sexually assaulted in college by a friend of mine, and it was awful. And I didn't tell anybody, and I didn't say anything, and my life went off the fucking rails for a long time. I never told my parents. I never did anything. And one of the reasons I never told my parents was because all I could think of was... My parents are going to find out that I was, you know, drinking in in college and I was doing all this other stuff in college. And I don't want to put my parents knowing that I was partying in college because who's going to believe me? Who's going to believe that this happened to me? So I said nothing. I ruined my relationship with my boyfriend. I ruined my relationship with friends. I shut the fuck down. Yeah, and, and, and you look at, and I don't want, and I don't want people. I don't want women to have to do that. And I think that's one that. of the things that we we need to work on. I don't want women to have to do that. But we don't go to trial because I can't have my life looked at under a microscope. Like I deserve that to have that happen to me, or that well, anybody deserves to have that happen to them. It's bullshit. And I and I I had it's this conversation outrageous. with someone not long ago, and I was talking about my boys, and I said, you know, the thing. The thing that I'm the most proud of of my boys is is that we live, okay, we live in a thing, and, and the girl behind the dumpster, she got so drunk, and she passed out, and she did this. And I said, you know, the thing, had any three of my boys walked by that girl, they would have, they would have taken it upon themselves to make sure that she, something was done that she was taking care of, and was, was... Yeah, it's because they're a decent human being. Um, right. And, uh, but my point being, I think what we have to get to is where we are not exactly what you said. This happens so often. I mean, just so many times, and especially in college where, you know, girls are drinking and people take advantage of that. And, and you know, I mean, let's face it. Men are stronger. Men are, can overpower women, females. They can... We need to get to a point where we are only focusing on the actions of the person committing the crime. Yeah, it's not not on anybody's it's not actions. The alcohol's fault. It's right. not, you know, it's not the school's fault. It's not this, you know, it's this person made a conscious choice. They made a conscious choice that they're going to drink. I mean, and yeah, so right. do, so do we. But you know, as women, we make the choice that we're going to drink. What I'm not making the choice of though is to have your sweaty, nasty body. On top of me. I'm not making that choice. You've made it for me now. Right. I'm not big on that. And it, there's no... But everybody wants to blame, you know, with fucking Brock. Brocky Doodle. Everybody went, well... The guy was, from Stanford. He was drinking and he was... Who the fuck cares? 
No, see, I, I what don't believe... What would have happened if then those Swedes not came by? I don't believe that... See, I... I don't believe you take people like me and Timmy. No matter how much I drink, I'm not going to molest a child. I'm not going to rape somebody. We don't have that in us. People who do that, even when they're drinking, they are predators. That's what they are. And the drinking brings that out and allows that to allow less inhibition. It amplifies it. It amplifies it, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and and I'm very sorry that that happened to you. Well, um, and it but puts in, I think it gets it, them in, uh, you know, right, it puts them in a position where they look for situations like that where they can take advantage of. You know what I mean? But yeah. but at the end of the day, what we're talking about the justice system, what what defense lawyers know is that that woman does not want to be in that courtroom. She doesn't want to be she on trial. Be, she doesn't yeah, want to be on she trial. She wants to put that as far away from behind her. And like you said, and this is what, this is what, you know, I've never been in that position, so I can't say. But what always, always I could never understand is people say, you know, like you did, I never told anyone. Because if, if a friend of mine came to me and said, you know what, this guy raped me, I would take care of that for them. You know what I mean? And, and I would... But but so often, like you, you know, people say, well, I know that it's going to cause more problems for me. Other than what I'm already dealing with, I'm going to have more uh, problems. And, more, and, and what they don't realize is exactly what you said. If you don't deal with it, your life is going to come off the rails. It impacts you in a way that's so great and so significant that your life's going to come off the rails. And these, you know, to get back to this story, when we saw the, uh, the if you, you saw the interview, you can yeah. tell this woman, this woman is a this girl, she was 50 years old, it's still impacting her. Yeah, she was, she had no emotion whatsoever, no, it, it may have been, may have just well been a robot. Talking. Yeah, it was, or her um, fact was. Her face was, you know, flashed out, but she was just a robot. And she only got a little bit um, agitated or whatever when she talked about him sodomizing her. Because that's humiliating. Yeah, I would suppose. Yeah, I'm sure. It, but it was it, that struck me as how flat her effect was. You know, when she talked about it, like she was describing something she witnessed, not something she lived through. So. All right. So well, that's, that's, but, that's, but you're yeah. right. It's you know three years for that is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, and, and and you know, he's going to talk about the details of it in a little bit because it was. I, I mean, as as horrible as that was, rape and and sodomy. Oh, he got he went beyond that. He was trying to kill him. I mean, he left yeah. him for dead. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. So, old boy got three years. Um, he was sent to McAllister State Penitentiary, where he would serve forty to one hundred and forty years. Wait a minute. What happened? So, wait. So he was paroled in three years. Mm-hmm. That's right. He was paroled in three years, 1969. Right. I don't but know. he was sent there, with, and this His is from a 40 to 140 year sentence? He got off in three years. Of course he did. Okay. For rape, two counts of kidnapping, and four counts of burglary. So, just so, just so everybody knows... You can take a 140-year sentence and commute it down to four or three. 
Yes. So that's what you have to look forward to. Um, he had escaped. If he was paroled, where did he escape from? Okay. So I don't know. I don't know what the, the script there says, but let me tell you just kind of what happened. He gets out on parole. Okay. Okay. He gets out after three years, 1969. Okay. Immediately. He was sentenced to three 10-year prison terms on that one, mm-hmm. but he was paroled after 28 months. Immediately. So he did two years and four months. Immediately, the week that he gets out, he starts breaking into people's houses. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And then he's rearrested. But go. I, I think it's in your part, so go ahead. No, it doesn't. It might, might be in Chuck's. Um... Chuck's so he escapes. Go. Yeah, yeah. And so was what, believed to be in the area. Okay. So what happened there? Uh, and I'm sorry, I, it, it was a typo there. What happens is he gets paroled. Chuck's going to go into what happens when after he's paroled, but he breaks into a bunch of homes. He's arrested again. Gets arrested. Uh, escapes. Gets caught. Is sentenced to 305 years, and then he escapes again. And Basically, nobody looks for him. There you but go. But go, go ahead, Chuck. Talk they should. Well, wait a minute. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. They shouldn't look for him because you know this guy's not dangerous at all. Um, on June 24th, 1977, a Locust Grove native, native spotted a man who resembled Hart running from a cave near where the three Girl Scouts had been slain. Yeah. By this time, Hart had escaped. No one's looking for him, but they think he's in that area because he's from that area. Right. So this gives the police the idea, and hey, he's very popular. he might be our man. Right. But he's very popular. Yes. Uh, he was supposedly armed with a 20-gauge shotgun and a 22 caliber rifle. He had supposedly stolen these guns from Jack Schroff's farm. At the cave, local county and state lawmen searched for Gene Leroy Hart, three names, the lawmen searching in the wooded area had thousands of ticks crawling on them. Yeah, this is weird. When they got inside the cave, the lawmen found no ticks. That is weird. Uh, their theory, which, you know, I can see this, was that Hart was using Indian medicine to ward them off. Yeah, he Hart apparently was friends with the Indian, the medicine men in the area, yeah. and there was a feeling that they were protecting them. Oh, well, it appears that, you know, they are, but anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, On a cave wall, Lawman found a written message that said the killer was here. 17-6-77. Is that 7-6-77? It's like military, how the military does the dates. It's a weird way to write the dates. Oh, like the time? Yeah, it's a a weird way to write write the dates, but that's what... Now, there's been speculation that someone just came along and spray-painted that on there as as a prank. But it was an area where they found other stuff related to the crime and where they believe that uh, Gene Leroy Hart had been hiding. Uh, It said that the person who killed the Girl Scouts had been living in this cave since the murders. On June 24th, another wonder dog dies after it's ran over by a car. So dog number two of three is dead. On June 25th, heat-seeking equipment is used in the surrounding area without any significant results. On June 28th, police announced a $14,000 reward for any evidence leading to the apprehension and conviction of the killer. By the time 200 lawmen and 400 volunteers comb a four-mile area around Camp Scott, uh, the FBI sent in an additional 40 investigators to assist. Once word got out that the police were looking for Gene Leroy Hart, a Native American, 
it was hard for police to get the support of the local community. Members of the American Indian Movement, or AIM, arrived in the area to monitor law enforcement. Oh, well, thank goodness. Ten months went by without, went by without any further clues. Police still did not know the whereabouts of Jean Leroy Hart. When rumors started to surface that Hart was being protected and hidden by local tribesmen, the police resorted to tougher tactics, including threatening potential witnesses with indictments for aiding and abetting a fugitive. This hardball approach worked as one witness told police that Hart... Oh, okay. The hardball approach worked as one witness told police that Hart had been staying with a local medicine man. Police cautiously moved in on the house where they found Gene Leroy. He was wearing a pair of women's glasses. Sure. Well, um, this, again, this goes back to right. you know, all the camp counselors and things having their What glasses I want to know, how much training... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Do you have to get to be a medicine man? I don't know. You're born You're born into it. Are you born into yeah, it? Because I want to go. Well, you know what? I'm don't you have to do like up. Billy Jack and sit in that circle with the snake? Yes. Remember Billy Jack? Yeah, I mean, you sitting in no circle with no snake, uh, but you, you you could put a crocodile in there. I would say they ain't to, getting in no snake. Hart told the arresting officer they would never convict him of the murders. Police searched the home and found an old newspaper, which was from the same issue of a piece of newspaper found inside the flashlight at the crime scene. They also found a small mirror that had belonged to one of the deceased girls. Colonel, you may know this. You remember the old flashlights? Yeah. And sometimes the battery didn't connect right. So people yeah, so would, you, you would stuff yeah. newspaper in there mm-hmm. to press it up. Right. Well, they found this. You know, they found that uh, newspaper in in the flashlight that they found that the killer had. Right. They found the same edition of the newspaper in this house. So this guy's not even that smart. So it's connected. That's how they can. I mean, it's one of yeah. the ways connecting it. So the evidence against this guy is pretty strong. And just remember the for those old enough to remember these. Um, and they, it's funny they didn't put that much light out. Some bitches were heavier than hell. Yeah. The flashlights it was square that had the handle on the top. They had a little button you pushed. Mm-hmm. They had that big ass square battery in there. You could probably run a city off of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I, I feel like you actually took two wires and attached them to some genitals. You could get a confession out of somebody. Or an eruption, uh, at least. But what's what's funny now is I've got one of those at home. For your erection? I don't uh, think they make them anymore. For your erection? No, I've had it forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it, it helps. You use it, use it to zap your genitals? Well, because I use it for um, electroconvulsive therapy. Oh. Um, on, on, on the dog, the dog gets depressed sometimes. You know, well, I would, too. Hook it to his ears. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's fine Snaps, now. Snaps right out. It hurts his short-term memory sometimes, so when you say Rudy, he just looks at you like, yeah. huh? Yeah, he didn't know. But... Uh, no, it's that kind of flashlight. Um, and what I was, what I, my point being, I've got a flashlight's about three inches, or not even, maybe three inches at home. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave knows what is this it a is. Grower, it not a shower? Runs on a eighteen six fifty battery. This some bitch will light up the damn street. Yeah. I mean, one time I turned it on, Al Gore called me. He was like. Dude, you're contributing to global warming. Could you turn that son bitch off? I mean, it's just amazing what LED, light, LED yeah. lights. You know, the old ones, because you always had to shake the son yeah, bitch because yeah. they go off on you. Yeah. As soon as you found a murderer, your light would go out and you'd have to shake yeah. it. Yeah, and, and that's what know. he did. He put this newspaper in there yeah. to press the battery up against the connector so that it would stay lit. Mm-hmm. Well, they found the same issue of that newspaper in the home. It was a certain date and it was, you know... So anyway, what happens next? Is this my part, Devil? Yep. Well, the only person who went to trial for these murders, um, Gene Leroy Hart. Three names. Um, he was tried and acquitted of them in mm. 1979. Of course he was. Now, evidence pointed to Hart. All the evidence. In June 1966, Hart had abducted and uh, brutally assaulted two pregnant women from a Tulsa club. He did it at the same time. He bagged and gagged, bound and gagged both his victims with rope and duct tape. He drove them outside the city to a wooden, wooden, wooded area. Um, he made one of the women drive and put the other in the trunk. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, and he took their glasses. So yeah, that was it, another thing. Still in search of a prescription that works. Yeah. yeah. Because, again, when they went to this, you know, yeah, I don't know why he couldn't just get... Uh, but anyway, once he had women in an isolated area, he raped them and sodomized them, as I said. After he physically and sexually assaulted his victims, he liked to beat on them, too. Um, he forced leaves and tree branches down their throat, then put duct tape over their mouths and nose, making it impossible to breathe. Now, the victim that I was talking about that did the uh, interview, she her tape came loose from her nose. Um, so she got free. Um, but he also... But he left them there to die. He left them there to die yeah. in the woods. Now, it didn't take long to identify and track down Leroy for this, Gene Leroy. And they charged him with rape and kidnapping. And he plead, pled guilty. He was sentenced to three concurrent 10-year prison terms. Now, concurrent meaning, you know, they... At the same time. You might as well only have one prison term. Um, and he was paroled after 28 months so he truly did less than one quarter of that time less than than three years yeah so um, after being paroled for one week he started burglarizing homes in Tulsa and he broke into four houses between June 1st and June 7th he broke into them at night while occupants were still asleep Um, and in one instance he stole a wallet that was just six inches from the guy's head that takes balls, man. It does. Now, on the fourth burglary, um, it occurred on June 7th. Heather Campbell, she was 28 years old. She was awake at 2 o'clock, and she heard someone trying to unlock the door. 
She saw a hand coming across the room reaching for a purse on the nightstand. <laughs> that fucking freak you out. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't freak her out. She pulled out a pistol. And it was black, pretty dark. She pulled out a pistol and cocked a hammer. Good for her. Now, he heard this and left the room. You think? She Back called, out slowly. Yeah. Sorry, wrong, yeah. <laughs> wrong department. My bad. <laughs> my bad. My, oh, oh, my bad. So, anyway, Campbell called the police, and they were... Um, Interviewing her, they heard someone jiggling the door on the second floor of the complex. Well, this so this guy didn't, he been, didn't even leave the complex. He had a gun pulled on him. He was like, "Yeah, I fucked that. I'm gonna go to the next room place." <laughs> yeah. And the police are the talking odds? to her, it's, and they're like, "Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> this some bitch." So they arrest her. So why the police her. are there interviewing her? He's trying. He's to break breaking in. into the fucking house next door. Or, yeah. So close to the police that they can hear him <laughs> trying to jiggle the lock. It's the brightest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah. So they, they arrest him. They search his car and find all kinds of implements of burglary and destruction. Yeah, they find uh, wallets and stuff from the previous homes. Yeah. And some of the some of the burglaries was not reported because he just took, like, wallets. Yeah. And the guys just and thought... Glasses. And glasses. Yeah, and glasses. And then and people glasses. just thought they lost them. Mm-hmm. But once they, you know, the police found this, they say, hey, called up the guy's... And say, hey, are you missing a wallet? And they say, yeah, I lost it. But really, they didn't lose it. He was breaking into their homes. They didn't even realize it. Now, he's charged with... I wonder if he um, wore, like, a little cat burglar outfit with the little black mask. Yeah, a little striped shirt. Probably. Tiptoeing. That wouldn't give him away at So all. they take him to the jail. Now, this is going to... I can't read this part because it's going to set the devil off here. Okay. Well, read it. She'll she, she respond. In June 1969, he's in Tulsa. He's charged with four counts. Now, they took him to the Mays County Jail where he snuck off but was completely quickly apprehended. Yeah, so Jesus. he's going to escape. <laughs> so he escaped. Once. So, this is the first time. He yeah. escapes twice. He's charged in Tulsa on four counts of first-degree burglary the escape from prosecution, and parole violations. He pled innocent but was found guilty for these four burglaries and this escape and was sentenced to a maximum of 309 years in prison. What the <laughs> fuck? So it's okay to rape these you know, yeah. women and whatnot, but don't be stealing people's wallets. That's yeah, where you're crossing the line. Shit. Yeah. Don't people escape. Sunglasses. You got people walking around again, like Stevie Wonder banging against the wall. Well, Jesus I mean, Christ. hopefully they realized at that time. That the, they I mean, did. I think and they, they should have realized the first time after he left these two women pregnant, yeah, pregnant like women, pregnant tight. women to die that, uh, you know, this you guy know, needs to be And I got to be thinking that this judge who sentenced him is looking back at this thing thinking, what in the fuck? He left two pregnant women to die and he got 10 years and got <coughs> two? Probably. And you know, I, yeah. I, but I, I mean, I hear you, Brandy, with the, the case in California. But I think, um, I, I think now parole boards are um, more sensitive and more concerned about letting people out to, that they could offend again. That I think a lot of times now they they are more cautious of that and will will deny parole a lot of times. Where in the past, like this guy, they would you know like in the seventies they would grant parole. I think now that the, because they're afraid if it, if this idiot 
that's sitting in front of me goes out and kills someone, they're going to come back and want to know but why, he was, why it he happened. He was only sentenced to 10 years in the first place. Oh, right, right. He could have done 10 years standing on his fucking head. Well, yeah, I, think that, I think also at that time, you know, you look back at that time and things... One thing that's changed since that time is the view that you can rehabilitate sex offenders. You know, I, I think we take a view now that at least me, you know, mm-hmm. in the courts, it, there's not really much you can do to rehabilitate them. And they're likely to offend again. Offend they are again. very likely to offend mm-hmm. again. So in early 1973, while awaiting a court hearing to appeal one of his convictions, Gene and two other prisoners hacksawed their way out of the, out Fucking of the hacksaw. county jail. Seriously? Fucking hacksaw. Did somebody sneak it in in a cake? <laughs> What kind of fucking Mayberry bullshit? Probably has to be a pretty big cake. It was a big anus, Timmy. I'm sure somebody snuck it in in the anus. I mean, my God. Oh, that would hurt coming out and going in. Yeah. It's only going in in and pulling it out. That's when it hurts. Once. And you're only saying that I mean, in Thailand, I see they have these shows where these girls put razor blades. Oh. In the who house? Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not erotic. It's just, it, it's a, a freak show. It's a sideshow. Yeah, and oh. I uh, like when they shoot the ping pong balls. Now, there's apparently, the the, oh, they shoot darts, dude. They shoot balloons out. Yeah. Have what you the, seen, wait a minute, have you the, seen the little girl that, that, and I just saw it this morning, she she blindfolds herself, she stands, she does a handstand, and shoots a bow and arrow with her feet. No, that's cool though. Yeah, into a target. She had, she got a bullseye. Blindfolded. I, I, I blindfold. I blindfold myself sometimes when I'm into self bondage. <laughs> you know what? Every once in a while, so you don't have to see it. Here's my problem. Yeah. I'll, I'll handcuff myself. And then I'll get all worked up. But you can't spank yourself. But I can't do nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. I, then I got to call the missus, and she just says, It's why, embarrassing. Why are you doing this again? Get, yeah. Uh, get up. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, self bondage is a. Is, There's is, a kid's party downstairs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't understand. I just. They're just letting him wonder. I mean, who the fuck? You'd think after the first time this guy tried to escape, maybe they need to Hannibal Lecter his ass. Yeah. yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Maybe he needs to have a mask and some. I mean, come on. Yeah. The only good thing about I mean, the only good thing about this whole deal is that he, even though he, you know, he's he walks on this, at least they're getting back in custody. Yeah, yeah. but you know what? There's, there's no closure for these families. No. no. There's no justice for these families. No. Well, Lawman found the other two prisoners, but hard. He was a Locust Grove native. He remained free since jail um, since jailbreak. Now, sure. it was believed by Makes law sense. enforcement that he was hiding in the woods in his hometown of Locust Grove. That was the area near Camp Scott. Now, even though Hart was a convicted rapist and kidnapper, nobody bothered to look for him. Police felt that Hart was a prime suspect for the Girl Scout murder since he was a violent criminal and, unknown to, and known to the area. You think? Um, the manner in which uh, well, Hart had raped and sodomized the women he had previously kidnapped was early similar, eerily similar to the Girl Scout murders, because in the, in the Girl Scout murders too, um, I don't think we've covered. Um, he had these kind of elaborate gags, yeah, made for mm-hmm. him. Did we cover that? No, uh, we didn't. Um, and the way the hands were tied behind the back was yeah. very similar. And he used duct tape. Um, and he used duct tape. Um, it didn't say anything about you know we don't want to know about the sodomy of the little girls. I don't know if that happened or not. Well, they were sexually uh, assaulted. They were sexually assaulted. Yeah. Um, so anyway, 
Um, now the evidence against him was was pretty extensive. The tape used to bind the victims, other physical evidence tying Hart to the scene of the crime. We're talking about the Girl Scout murders here. Um, was located in a cave where you know Gary or this Hart, the Geico man, was living. You know he, the Geico man who. The caveman always yeah, is insulted. It. Okay. Yes. I do. love those commercials. I do too. I don't know, they, don't do that. They, don't so, still, they don't do that. They got a new people one. People get offended. They just got a new one. Did they? Because, yeah. you know, people getting all caveman. Didn't they have like your own show or something for a yeah. or a minute? Yeah. 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 So, uh, anyway, items from the campsite were found in the house where Hart was captured. A picture of three unidentified women was found near the bodies, and the picture will be connected to Hart. Yeah, this is interesting. A hair fiber on duct tape of one of the victims matched Hart. So they found a roll of duct tape, and there was a hair fiber of one of the right. one of the victims. No, there was a hair fiber that that. Was or, I'm not sorry, on the one of the victims had duct tape on them that had one of Hart's hairs on. It. Yes. Um, the defense argued that that evidence pointed elsewhere. I don't know where else, where, who else it pointed. The, the defense said uh, the defense attorney said, "Yes, it looks like his hair. It could be a match for his hair, but I have a thumb and you have a thumb. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're the same." <coughs> That's now, what the, the exact quote. The glove doesn't fit. You must acquit. Yeah, a footprint. Jury. Um, a size ten. That's pathetic. They found a footprint in blood on the floor. It was a size 10, and Hart's feet was size 11 and a half. A thumbprint on the flashlight did not match Hart's, nor did other good fingerprints found at the scene. Despite these questions, Hart was formally charged with the Camp Scout murders on June 23, 1977. If you're going to commit murder, wear a different size shoe. Yeah, but you got to wear big clown shoes. Not, I mean, because if you're a size 11... And you're wearing a size 10 and you try to run away, your toes are going to be all bunched up. It's going to be hard to run. And they're going to think it's going to be like one of those women. They're going to think you're not very well endowed either. (laughs) No, you got tiny feet. Yeah. So, yeah, like the tiny hands. Tiny hands. Tiny hands. So, anyway, um, despite all these questions, uh, inconsistencies, Hart was charged with the Camp Scout murders. Now, many local Native American in the Native American community felt that he was being framed because he wasn't an American Indian. They took up a collection for his defense. Yeah, these parents. I don't know if you saw this in the documentary, Chuck or not. These parents come in. They just lost their children. They come in for the trial to this small little hick town from Tulsa. They come in and they go to like uh, restaurants around town or whatever and they go to the cash register and there's like these little jars please donate to the defense of of Jim yeah. uh, Leroy Hart now here's here, now prosecutors here's a funny thing prosecutors were worried that they couldn't get a fair trial mm-hmm. now in a criminal case a defendant can ask for a change of venue if, if they, they feel, feel like they can't get a fair right, trial. Right, like if they feel that it would be prejudicial. But a prosecutor cannot ask for a change of venue. Yeah. So they were in this town that was very sympathetic to Hart because he was a Native American, um, but they couldn't ask for a change of venue. So they had to proceed even though they felt the community was opposed to his conviction. Now the victim's families had to be provided a police escort to the courtroom each day for the proceedings. The prosecution was not allowed to present Hart's previous convictions for rape and kidnapping to the jury. 
Yeah, which, you know... Yeah, <laughs> because of... I mean, <laughs> if anything but, is... is uh, If anything of evidence is relevant... It's one, you know, his, yeah. his past record there, but they said it was too, what, too prejudicial? Establishes a pattern. They said it was... I hate that bullshit. It's too prejudicial. It's fucking evidence. Yeah, it's... It, it, this will be it's part of his pattern. It's supposed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be prejudicial. It's a whole fucking point. Now, here's an interesting one. The defense, the strongest evidence was sperm samples um, the coroner was able to obtain from the girls, two other girls. Um, the defense said that Hart had received a vasectomy and could not produce sperm. However, further tests revealed that the vasectomy, and those ain't no joke, had not been successful. You've had a clipping, haven't you, Colonel? Huh? We've when been clipping. When you do it yourself I have in had prison. a vasectomy, Timmy. When you do it yourself uh, in prison, you cannot get the same results. Yeah. No, I did not have... Uh, I'm not saying you did. I, I did mean, not. the one thing I give, yeah, I, I will give credit for <coughs> to Gene Leroy Hart, he got a vasectomy. That's a good thing. Even though yeah. it didn't work, he was not... He was trying. Yeah, he's not creating more serial killers. So, I'm, Timmy, I'm, 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 I go for my, uh, my con- consultation for my vasectomy. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Okay. And I got the guy sitting there, and he's talking to Renee and me and her there. And he says to me, he he says, I use a different technique. I use the scalpelless method. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a little taken aback by this, because if somebody's going to cut into my scrotal area, mm-hmm. I would like you to find the sharpest thing you could find, right? Right. right. So and now I'm a little, precise instrument. I'm a little nervous about this, right? Mm-hmm. So There's when I get a little nervous, nervous, I start to talk a little bit. I start to do whatever. What's your excuse now? So the man says to me, I use a scalpelist method. And I said, a scalpelist method? I said, what the hell you do? Well, you, you tearing it? You gnawing through no, you this did, son of a bitch? You tearing it open hands. with your bare hands? What are you doing? <laughs> so he's like, no, I use this blah, 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 blah. So I said, okay, you know. It was like lasers? So he says to me, he says, now, it's it, no, they use this little keyhole types, like uh-huh. key saw, but... So anyway, he says to me, the most uncomfortable part really are the numbing shots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable. I'd liken them to a bee sting. Okay. And I said, well, let me tell you this. Let me ask you a question here, doctor. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been stung on the balls by a bee? <laughs> and he looks at me like I got two heads, and he says, well, No. He said, you know what? I so that's ne- not very comforting. He said, I have never had somebody ask me that question. I said, because let me tell you this, doctor. If I'm walking across a yard and I step on a bumblebee and it stings me on the bottom of the foot, that's uncomfortable. Now, if I'm walking across the same yard and a bee flies up my shorts and stings me on the colonel sack, uh-huh. that is a story my kids would tell their grandchildren. <laughs> Do you remember when dad got stung on the balls by a bee? Oh, that would be. I said it would make songs about that. So yeah. I cannot only I cannot believe you when you say there's just slight discomfort in this. <laughs> so I go in for my vasectomy, mm-hmm. Timmy, and I'm a little bit nervous. Right. So he cuts a hole. Well, first of all, he gives me a shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, a numbing shot. Mm-hmm. And what the numbing shot? I can only. It feels like your left testicle has just been struck by lightning. Ow. But it only lasts a half a second and everything's numb. It's like when mm-hmm. a Novocaine hits all those nerve endings, mm-hmm. they just fire. Mm-hmm. Now, the worst thing about that 
is knowing you still got another testicle that needs to get done. God gave you two. <laughs> God gave me two. Two big ones, too. He had to use a lot of drugs. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he gives me this shot, right? Mm-hmm. And I jump back, and I'm like, son of a bitch. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I told you it was going to be a little uncomfortable. I said, doctor, you told me it was going to be like a bumblebee. That was like a goddamn pterodactyl coming down and just ripping it <laughs> off my skin. And the doctor's like, you know what? I just need you to stay kind of still. And I said, well, you know what, then? I need you to quit doing that to me. <laughs> so he gives me the shot. Now, he goes about his business, gives me the vasectomy. Oh, God, I just really have kids. Everything's, everything's done. And he tells me to stand up, mm-hmm. sit up for, for three minutes. And I sit up for three minutes. Now, he tells me to stand up for three minutes. Because a change in vascular pressure can cause some men to pass out. Mm-hmm. So he sa- I stand for three minutes, and he says, well, are you, are you done? Or do you feel like you're going to pass out? And I said, no. He said, well, then you're done. I said, I'm done? I can leave? He says, yeah. Now, I run out of there like a damn scalded dog, Timmy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hit that waiting room. Renee's waiting for me. I got The only thing I got, Timmy, is my pants pulled up and buttoned. <laughs> My pants ain't zipped. My shirt ain't tucked in. I got a tie on that's undone. Renee looks at me and starts laughing like hell, and she said, are you all right? And I said, am I all right? Do you have any idea, woman, what they do to men back there? <laughs> now, these poor bastards sitting on the couch, mm-hmm. they turn pale because they know what's Oh, yeah, it's like being in a dentist's office, and you hear a screaming in the next Exactly. Yeah. So now I'm a little bit nervous. I got to go talk to a nurse. She gives me a cup. I got to bring a sample back, whatnot. Mm-hmm. She says, well, we're going to need 12 cycles. She said, bring one back in six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I said, six weeks? She said, well, you really need 12 cycles to clear everything out. Mm-hmm. Cycles meaning, you right. know. So I said, 12? 12? I said, hell, I knock out two on the way to the van, to the car here. I said, what kind of slack are you dealing with? Don't these men take showers? Don't they do nothing? I said, I'll be back here in a week and a half. You only need 12. I said, you want me to bring her with me? <laughs> so so how long was anyway, it before you and uh, the missus could uh, continue your marital Well, rest? this is a peculiar thing, Timmy. They told me to wait at least a week. Mm-hmm. I got home, and I said, come on, we got to do it right now. And she said, you out of your damn mind. You lost your mind. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, Renee. I said, we ain't got to actually do it. We just got to, I got to make sure that some bitch going to work again. Mm-hmm. I got to make sure the little general going to mm-hmm. stand salute. and salute. Mm-hmm. So we didn't actually do it, but, um, yeah, that the vasectomy thing it was. It sounds hard. like a very traumatic experience. It was quite traumatic. It, Renee just laughed and laughed at me. She still tells the story of how I look coming out of the thing. Because my shirt was not even buttoned, my I was like, I'm just getting the hell out. Once he told me I could go, I will. And here's a funny thing: men always say, you know what, vasectomies, they're a piece of cake, they're nothing. That's the men who have had the vasectomies because we think you pull, you dumb son of a bitch. Yeah, it's the same same way with uh, colonoscopies. Yeah, and once you had them, then there's nothing. Yeah, but when you're um, waiting for them to stick a tube up you. Yes. It's a little different. But anyway, back to our... I digress. I'm sorry. So the defense counters that Hart had the vasectomy could not produce sperm, but tests showed that the vasectomy had failed and he could produce sperm. And an analysis of this physical evidence, Timmy, including the sperm samples and other bodily fluids, 
revealed that only 0.002% of the population, that really comes down to 1 in 50,000, met the unique characteristics contained in the evidence, his sperm and bodily fluids. Yeah, so there was a, and basically there was a match. It was a match. Right. Um, But the 1 in 50,000 left... Reasonable doubt. Reasonable well, doubt. I'm not sure. Reasonable it didn't doubt. leave it, reasonable it, doubt. It, it it gave the jury a reason. Yeah, to, uh, acquit. But go but, ahead. Now they also linked this photo to a body um, of one Neil. They linked the photo found near one of the bodies to Hart. Yeah, this is interesting. It was the three unidentified women. The photo was placed in a in the newspaper saying, you know, if yeah. you know who these women are. Yeah, what it was, they found a photograph of three unidentified women near the body, right? Yeah. So the police, not knowing what they had, uh, they put put it in a newspaper to ask anyone that had any information to come forward. Right. Okay. Right. (coughs) So a prison guard who worked as a wedding photographer came forward, said he'd taken a photo and developed it uh, in the prison photo lab. Gary Leroy Hart had worked in the photo lab while an inmate at the Granite Reformery. That sounds like his place from the Flintstones. Yeah. So he worked <clears throat> he worked in the prison photo lab while he was incarcerated for his 28 months or whatever. And he developed film, and this was one of the pictures that he developed. He developed, yeah. So the defense claimed that the local sheriff planted this evidence because he was under pressure to identify people, a uh, suspect. Prosecution presented evidence that the hair found on the duct tape also belonged to Hart. Defense said it could, hair could have belonged to anybody. When Hart was arrested, he was wearing a pair of women's glasses, and he did he did not look good in them. No, I'll post a picture um, of that on our webpage. They got a picture of him with those glasses on. He does look rather silly. Much like the ones discarded by the prowler at the camp, the defense argued that the lo- uh, that the local sheriff's planet or they focused on him and didn't look at other potential suspects. Now, Gene Leroy Hart did not testify in this. The trial lasted from March. Um, to March 18th, March March 18th. I'm sorry, to March 30th. Yeah, it was a relatively short trial. The defense didn't put yeah. on much of a defense. I don't even know if they called any witnesses. The jury deliberated 45 minutes before finding him not guilty. Jesus. Prosecutors and the victims' families were just stunned. The lead prosecutor um, said they would not continue to search for the killer as they were certain he was a guilty party. Yeah, I mean, you know, why chase your tail? If you think you've got the person yeah. and he walks, uh, you know, you're you're chasing someone that doesn't exist at this point. However, he did have to go back to the Oklahoma State pen to serve out his 305-year sentence for... Uh, for his other charges. For his other charges. Now, two months later, on June 4th, he collapsed and died mm, after bummer. one hour weightlifting. And jogging in the prison exercise. Yeah, right. two months after the trial, he drops dead. Gene Lee yeah. drops dead in prison. So, Now, two of the families later, his death was ruled a heart attack. Um, he would have been, what, 1979? So I forget the year he was born, and he was not he old. He was not that old. Uh-uh. He um, was, oh, I don't have it in my, my list, so you would have it. But two of the families later sued Magic Empire for $5 million alleging negligence. Um, the civil trial included discussion of the threatening note, the counselor not acting on seeing the flashlight and hearing noises prior to the killing, and the fact that... Well, and that's what... These were what Brandy was... The negligence that you were bringing up earlier. Mm-hmm. 
And let me, here's something interesting too, is that, you know, we were talking about the victim that was talking in a, her, you know, that was on the documentary. Mm-hmm. She brought up this point. This counselor said she kept hearing a sound that sounded like no animal she had ever heard. Yeah, a guttery. A guttural sound. Yeah, a low sound, yeah. Now, the victim, one, the victim that lived, the pregnant woman that lived, said when he was raping her, he never talked. He just made this bizarre animal-like sound. So that's two of the, you know, I mean, you can't really, yeah. you couldn't really use that as evidence. But, but there was so much, uh, and, and I'm, I don't even call it circumstantial evidence because I think it was pretty solid. It was just evidence, evidence. yeah did. that 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 linked him to these killings. Yeah. So um, anyway, it discuss it discussed all that and the fact that the tent was so far from the council's tent in eight, 1985. Yeah, we discussed that. It was 87 yards, almost a football yeah. field away. Um, the jurors decided in favor of Magic Empire. Now, yeah. investigators revisited the case in 1989. But, I mean, I mean, that's an important point. So the family sues, sues negligence sues on the part Girl of Scouts, the Girl basically. Scouts. Basically. And the, the jury finds, I believe it was 9 to 3, nine in, to fa- three. In, in favor, favor of, of the, the Girl Scouts. Girl Scouts. <laughs> um, now, they decided to reopen this case in 1989. Mm. And... Uh, he was already dead, of course, by then. But an FBI test on DNA samples taken from a pillowcase was described as inconclusive. According to reports um, concerning the 1989 testing, three of five aspects of DNA from the murder scene matched those of the body fluids taken from Hart, a Native American. Only one in 7,700 Native Americans would match his samples as Hart did. He would have been 33 when he died. Oh, that's that's good. He died early. Mm-hmm. But since only three out of five samples matched, the results were deemed inconclusive. Now, Richard Goose, father of one of the victims, went on to help the state legislature pass the Oklahoma Victims' Bill of Rights. Another parent, Sherry Farmer, went on to found the Oklahoma chapter of support group Parents of Murdered Children, of which there are... 40,000, I just saw this on mm-hmm. another thing. Mm-hmm. There are 40,000 members, Timmy. Yeah, I went to, when I was at, um, when I was an undergrad at U- University of Cincinnati, one of my social work professors was the uh, president, national president of the victims, uh, parents of murdered children. He was very involved with that. <coughs> now, He's been on Oprah. Another guy later claimed that, uh, Dwayne Peters claimed another inmate named William Stevens had confessed to the murders. Yeah, they had some on. weak, a couple of weak other yeah. suspects, but uh, they didn't really amount to anything, right? Um, and you know, they so another suspect, um, his name was Ricky Green, but he he was in a New Mexico prison for burglary, escaped, was later arrested. Um, he confessed to the murders um, that he was, and said he was high on drugs. He was given five polygraphs, and after the polygraphs, he failed every single one of them. He was ruled out. Um, I, and I don't really, get all these people just false, all these false confessions yeah, of crimes. No, no, no. I don't understand that at all. But it's and almost 40 years after the fact, Timmy, and they are still officially unsolved, even though the evidence... Clearly you, points to heart. Would yeah, would lead to. I mean, there's some inconsistencies, but um, 
to me, you know, what one of the things that struck me again, I just mentioned it was the counselor. They interviewed her, and she was on on the documentary, and she was talking about the guttural noise she kept hearing, mm-hmm. and how it just get, basically scared the hell out of her. Yeah, and um, and she saw actually saw the flashlight in the woods, mm-hmm. and when she shined her light over there, the flashlight went off, mm-hmm. and then she you know turned hers to a different direction and start walking away and she saw the flashlight come on again and she said she just kept hearing this noise but she could not tell where it was coming from now what now what what got me there was at that point if you see a flashlight in the woods mm-hmm. the fuck yeah exactly well, start well, and that, the and that, and that's the thing that boggles my mind when you talk about the civil case against mm-hmm. the, uh, the um Against the uh, Girl Scouts, I mean, you had you had first of all you had this tent that was isolated. It was uh, eighty, almost a football field away from uh, uh, the closest adult. Where you had you had this tent where you had eight, nine, and a ten-year-old. Yeah. Uh, you had a counselor who checked on the girls and uh, saw something suspicious, but instead of investigating it, basically just went to bed. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and, and how it was handled, it was just handled very poorly. The, the parents were treated very poorly. They started lawyering up. The, the Girl Scouts did immediately before they even notified the parents. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just tragic. And then, uh, and like you said, there, there's some inconsistency with the evidence from. Uh, on Gene Leroy Hart, but in my mind, they they had the right guy. And you know, at the end of the day, when you really think about this, it wouldn't. This this remains un, unsolved, yes. But if he would have been found guilty, they would have given him the death penalty. Um, Oklahoma, I imagine, is fairly quick with the death penalty. Giving him the death um, penalty, they've given him community service. Well, these were children, so. Yeah, it was a high-profile case. It, he he probably would have got the death penalty. But by penalty. the time he would have got the death penalty, he dropped over dead right after this. Yeah. I mean, he dropped over Well, dead. and again, this whole, you know, I didn't bring this part into the story because, I, I you know, I'm not in really that into paranormal stuff. But there was this whole, there were some medicine men who were protecting him. They found yeah. him in the medicine man, one and, of the medicine men's house. They were also there were lawmen who the, were that were also Native, Native Americans, Americans, and they claimed, "Don't worry about it. If he walks, It'll we'll take, take, we'll we'll take, take care, care of it." Of yeah. And then two months later, two he months falls later over dead. dead. So there is some weird stuff going on with the case, with the dogs dying, and with that. But um, you know, I try to. When, you, when you're doing research on this case, some of that mystique, it does get convoluted, and there's a lot of this paranormal stuff. It's yeah. that you got to have to kind of, you know, I think it's a freaky case the, without the paranormal stuff. But the one detective stuff. who was a Native American who said, you know, he needed help, he needed inspiration, he went and put medicine into a fire and sat yeah. by the fire. And he said, you know, the next day we find this evidence, the next yeah. day this, this and that. And he even said that that um, 
you know, he knew that justice would, they put a thing out that justice would come. Mm-hmm. You know, and you think about it, these dogs have been around for a long time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it was. it's dogs. weird. I agree, weird. But, you know, it's a weird story even without the paranormal stuff going on. I think it, it just struck me as, as very classic slasher film you mm-hmm. know, yeah. things. Yeah, it's worse if you see any parts of interviews or documentaries because these girls were just they were eight nine and ten yeah, precious little just thing. beautiful yeah. little girls mm-hmm. you know just and and you just think god what kind of what kind of monster would but uh, you know i'm with brandy in terms of the civil suit that you know it was just i mean if, if that's not negligence i don't know what is if, if you get letters threatening that, that someone's going to be killed that you had a prowler to break in and steal stuff recently, that you you have a tent that is isolated out nowhere, that you are aware that uh, you know some of the girls were reporting seeing yeah. a man looking into their tent. Well, and he had been in other tents because when they found the bodies, they found all kinds of eyeglasses. Yeah, where he around had him, where he had been in the other tents and stolen so the eyeglasses. So they had a duty of care that they just they just did not you know they were they were clearly negligent. How how they could not be found negligent in that I don't know I don't know what the jury was thinking. But anyway, Brandy, what's your final thoughts on the Oklahoma Girl Scout mudda? I think that I have expressed many thoughts today. But what's your I'm, final thought? Do you think uh, our boy Gene Leroy? I think Hart, he probably did it, and he's dead, and that's fine. But you know, he never took responsibility for it. Those families can't get closure. It's yeah, it's yeah, just you can see a case it, all the way around. You know, they they inter- you can the interviews you can see interviews with the parents on YouTube, and it's it's just heartbreaking because you you can tell here now it's almost forty years. Next year will be forty years, and yeah. you know you can tell they you know it. You can and, and and like Charles said, the families try to put some positive, make some positive out of it by you know create you know creating yeah. the I chapter. I mean, something came out of yeah, this. Yeah, but but still, I mean, it ruined you know those parents' lives. And think about that poor parent who whose little girl did not even want to go to right. camp that she you yeah. know insisted that she went so that she would have that experience. Uh, it's just it's terrible, uh, Colonel. Your final thoughts. I, you know what? I just think that it's one of those things that we cannot explain, but that justice was served, and sometimes it works out that way. And uh, you think? But do you think Gene? Lowell oh, I think it? he absolutely did it. I don't think there's a doubt that he did it. Um, you know, and the biggest thing that you know, pisses me off about it is the local community. Just you well, they know, don't, they did well. It wasn't, but you know. They weren't; those little girls weren't part of their community. Oh, I know, but I mean, how could I mean? I, yeah, I and so they're going to harbor this nasty motherfucker rather than you know show empathy for these little girls. Well, and and, and in fairness, you have probably that you know a whole a whole group of people who felt like throughout their lives they had been treated unfairly because of their. You know, right? Yeah. So they they just do not trust the our justice system. Um, so you know, it's it's they were wrong, and you know he did it. That's I mean, really, all there is to that one. 
Yeah. Okay, Colonel, you have shout outs. I got a bunch of shout outs. All right, let's hit them. Um, yes. And somebody's going to have to help me out with this. Now, we got, um, we had a listener we welcomed, and I can't find it, and I wrote a name down. And she's a new listener, and she said, well, Sunstar, your love. Yeah, well, Sunstar, that's her name. Well, no, she her said friend. Sunstar recommended this to oh, me, and I love okay. it. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember the young lady's name. Uh, so okay. could you put this up on, could you say, Colonel, I'm the one that mentioned Sunstar. Could you post that in the, in the page? Um, and Sunstar, if you're listening, I just see... Her uh, son saw his profile pics. Looks like a beautiful set of little baby twins there. If you got a set of twins, let me know because the colonel's got twins. In case you didn't know. In case, yeah. So I don't know how that possible. Um, let's see who who we got. You know who we haven't given a shout out to in a long time, Timmy. Who's that? Catcher. Yeah, Catcher. Catcher needs a shout yeah. out. Um, yeah. Amber. Amber Croup. Um, you crazy mm-hmm. ass. Angela Cole Cobbs. Mm-hmm. Angela, how you doing? Karen Barnes, you damn lunatic. Jennifer, speaking of lunatic, Siemens. Um, Susan Angles. Alan Dobbs. Alan Dobbs and Kim Taylor. I would like to just remind you that uh, Alan Dobbs is quite the gentleman. We made a bet that the Bronco on the Broncos Panthers game. His his icon or his uh, uh, profile picture right now is of a Bronco. The Denver Broncos, so he's a man of his word. Um, oh, okay, and I, I got, and it's, the person is Sandra, where do I got her at? I got, I'm coming up to her, so I'll okay. get to her. So I got Denny McNamara, Jeff Chestnut, my little Sarah Spaghetti. She's just one of my favorites. She just, Tasha. Don't yell them out, because I got a list. Okay. Um, if, just think if I miss anybody. All right. Patty Wooten. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the Tro Bridges, Clark, Linda, and Diane. Mm-hmm. Um, like to jump in here with one who is just the most patient man you're ever gonna meet in your life. Dave Herman had an anniversary this week. Uh, congratulations, Brandy, so, on your anniversary. How long you been married, Devil? Ten years. Ten ten year anniversary. A decade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, Dave. See, Dave got a longer sentence than that guy. But he sure did. He got three <laughs> so, times as long. Yeah, I know. So Denny McNamara. Whatever. Happy anniversary, Congra- Dave. Congratulations, Dave. Um, Tasha, Teresa Slavin, and your eight beautiful grandkids that you posted pictures of. Um, and then we got was it Sandra September? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't get that last name, dude. Sepia Volva or what? We're gonna call her Sandy September. She's the one that uh, Sunstar was told to listen to the show. Karen I Barnes. Know, I got Karen Barnes. All right. Quit yelling out names. Let him I'm get sorry. through it. I'm um, like Rain Man. You are. Yeah. Uh, I got. Of course, we got Jeff the. Wapner. Uh, first church at a Colonel Posse, Nicola and Shannon. They're taking care of business for me. Nicola's having a good time over here in the, in the mainland. Um, Susan Angles, um, David Drewward, Michael and Sydney, of course, and, and uh, the lovely Jennifer Burdick, Liz Evans, um, Tiffany. Did I say Tiffany? No. 
Yes, yeah, and I always talk about a some bow, but I watched a highlight reel. Oh, man, that's like, amazing. And he is an amazing only, runner. Isn't he? And he only oh played God. a half. And it was like there was no d- defense on the field. Well, I mean, you he, know what? And, you know. And, uh, her son, we should explain. Her son's a football player in He's Michigan. a senior in high school in Michigan. Bo uh, Bell's his name. Bo Bell. And, and he, oh, he's You gonna, know what really amazed me was. To be an NFL. Um, one. Just how fast this boy was, mm-hmm. because on one of the touchdowns, the safety had an angle on him, mm-hmm. and the safety shot oh, probably right caught him, and he just ran right. Oh yeah, past him. He, he was amazing. So um, Jeff Chestnut, didn't I do Jeff Walker. already? Simmer down over there. Um, okay, okay. So I already hit the lovely Jennifer Burdick, Liz Evans, Bond, Gene, Gene Bond. Bond, Linda Middleton. Uh, Linda and her daughter. Linda and her daughter. Linda being the good soul. Um, No, I'm sorry. Jennifer being the good soul. Jennifer on Team Colonel. She comes to the church every Sunday. I thought Jennifer was a free agent. No, Jennifer's on Team Colonel. Liz Evans. How you doing, Liz? Um, Jeff Gurley. How you? Mary Ray. Erica. Kirsty Ramsden, and of course, congratulations to Celine getting into that home. Nice Yay, new house. We're happy for you. Um, I know that's very stressful. When Sam Hildebrand. Got Sam Hildebrand right Seriously? over here. Um, well, I don't want him to miss anyone. How about Elise? Did you name Elise? Um, Elise, okay. That's, we got Elise. Amber McCain. Donna Curran. Trixie. Trixie. Crazy ass Trixie. Crazy. Phyllis Munson. Um, a new listener, Olivia, Olivia Maya. Yes, Olivia. Um, Brian Lawton. Um, of course, uh, Illinois. Brian's wife uh, also listens as well. Oh, does she? Okay, mm-hmm. Mrs. Lawton. Okay, and our our good friend up in the near Chicago area, Jessica Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, got your name again. Did um, Let's see. Is there anybody? David Drew, what I got her. Susan Angles. I remember uh, Andy Volley. Okay. There new you list, go. Uh, well, he's new to the group. I don't know if he's a new listener, but he's new to the group. And Jeff Appel. Jeff Appel. Okay. Bree Smith up there in Canada. Mm. Oh, we Canadians, eh? Eh. Beverly. We got well, of course, we got the Lady Beverly who uh, just I like I like following Lady Beverly. I bet. bit. So, Allie and Charlie. Huh? Allie and Charlie. And I was Scott. getting Allie okay. and Charlie. Um, their Insight podcast. If you like true crime, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, they do uh, unsolved mysteries. Yeah, they do a lot of. They got unsolved. a good one up now. I'm going to watch. I forget what the name of it is, but it it's about a uh, three girls that were murdered. It looks pretty good. I'm going to check it out. Insight. I, if and see, Allie and I are friends on Facebook, mm-hmm. and she puts up. I, I think her kid. I think she got a little boy just as crazy as Noah. Oh yeah, boy with the glasses. Every adult baby. Oh yeah, they're cute. Both they their kids. Are, yeah, I think she has two, at least two. They're, yeah. they're adorable. Ali, you're gonna have to let us know how many kids you got. We can't keep track of you. You people down under, you you just. Pop uh, out you know they, they have sex all the time. Oh, they're crazy down there. You know why? They're turned on by their own accent. Well, yeah. that yeah, I bet they do. And down in Australia, you liable to die at any minute. Well, you know the water goes around down the drain backwards down there. Yeah, yeah. Because everything I've said this before: the most dangerous things in the world. If you name a snake, the most poisonous ones in Australia. 
If you name a crocodile, the most dangerous one. Well, in I posted Australia. a I've posted a video of a guy boxing a kangaroo. And a, a kangaroo, kangaroo, I saw kangaroo that. just whoop your ass. And kangaroos, that, that was not MMA. He started kickboxing. That <laughs> he shit was did. not he cool. the guy in the balls, which was mm-hmm. great. So, uh, uh, did you say Denny McNamara? I got Denny McNamara. Okay. All right. And Dottie. My and, mom. Uh, and last but not least, you know Dottie. You know who Dottie is? Dottie. Dottie's like Clarence Clemens was to the E Street Band. She had no just idea a, what you're talking about. I know, but Dottie's just a heart and soul of the History Dweebs podcast. Tara, also, shout out to Tara. <sighs> Tara, how you doing? I got Tasha, so I miss. Oh, Tara! Yeah. Crazy ass Tara. And who's Tara's friend? I don't There's know. There's two. Tara's friends with one of our listeners, and I forget who she is. I'm sorry. So we'll, straighten that up for me if you're listening. We'll, post get, you, it. we'll get you next time. Uh, it's Shannon. Shannon Ross and oh, Tara. Yeah. They know each other. All right. So I'm, I'm, sure we, I'm sure we've missed someone, and if we if have, we we're sorry. You, we'll just get send you us time. a nasty message. I don't know yeah, how. and we will get you next time. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We're going to be on a little break. Oh. We yes. have merch. Did you tell? We do have merchandise now. Um, so join, come to our page. It's History Dweebs, the podcast, Facebook group, and join. And if you do, um, we'll, there's a link there to our merchandise, T-shirts. Cindy Lou, sadly, sadly for Cindy Lou, we do not have uh, sex toys. There are no sexual aids. Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid not. But uh, you can get T-shirts, hats. Cindy Lou uh, post 20 bucks. Tim will come to your house. A for, for now, you know what I'm, gonna, I'm really going to order is the uh, I iPhone the iPhone case. Uh, case. It's really nice. I well, I looked at them, but I have I don't have an iPhone. So. Oh, but anyway, so if you join our page on Facebook, it's the History History Dweebs, the podcast. It's a group. Um, all the people that we mention on on the shout outs, they're part of that group. And we interact, we talk, and it's a fun time. So join us there, and you'll see some of the funniest, weird news. Posts oh yeah, you're gonna see. Yeah, and everyone, everyone is has just a, a funny sense of humor. So if you like the podcast, you'll love the people on the page. So join us, History Dweebs, the podcast on Facebook. We also have a regular history-related uh, page. It's called History Dweebs. It's just where we post it, real history-related articles. And you can join us on Twitter at HistoryDweebs1. You can find us at uh, on iTunes. If you do, please, please, please leave us a review. Reviews are so hard to get, and it makes it so much easier for people to find us uh, when we have reviews. So if, if, if you do nothing else, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, we would really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you would like to contribute, as I said, you can go to patreon.com slash historydweebs and you can give a wee bit or a lot. Uh, you know, we, we do this for fun, not profit, but there is some costs involved, so we appreciate any help we can get. Uh, we are going to be uh, off for uh, about 10 days um, before our next podcast. Sorry, I'm going to be out of town. But we will be back. We have some uh, scripts ready to go. we got some good ones lined up. So uh, we'll see you then. Until then. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. we, we touched on the merchandise, but I just want to give the listeners kind of a heads up on this. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the way this works, because my, my daughter did it for a vape shop. Yeah. We cannot order T-shirts and right. have them sitting around in a warehouse. 
Because when you look at the price, you think that's a little pricey for a T-shirt. You could, right? You know, and we wanted and to offer merch, for this is but we didn't want to. <clears throat> we didn't want to go out and buy a lot of things that we had to store. And and quite frankly, you, there's all multiple sizes, and I mean, there'd be no way for us to be able to manage that. So so we pay. We this company will do this for us. They do charge us kind of a premium for it. Um, so you know, if you like anything, you know, I know I know that Tanner, um, my my boy, who I'm exceptionally proud of, he's out in San Francisco. This weekend, he ordered. I believe he was ordering himself a hoodie. Um, he wanted to be a history dweeb's hoodie. Nice. So uh, yeah. So 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 we get royalties on that. Yeah. So when you buy make, something, you're supporting this. We're not making a fortune off of it, but we we do get a little bit. And it's right now what we're doing is uh, we're not broke people, but right. what we've decided is we're trying to get the show to support itself a little bit. So we're gonna get. Individual microphones and yeah, and then things there, like that. There, but we decided we weren't using our own money for that. There's costs associated with the website, and there's costs associated with uh, host the host site. Yeah. So uh, any bit, a little bit helps, but we're going to continue it either way, even if we are. Totally no, but I just sick. wanted to explain why the t-shirts and that. Yeah. It, it seems like it's not like we're making a fortune off this. We got to pay a company a pretty hefty price to right. make these on demand. Yeah. As we, yes. So anyway, we would appreciate any support either by purchasing merchandise or uh, contributing on Patreon, or just if nothing else, leaving us an iTunes review because that helps us. Um, yeah. It helps the show because a good exposed. iTunes review. Yes, please. A good our one. last one it was not a good review. No, they didn't uh, like our. They dick did not jokes like penis jokes and poop jokes. I don't remember any poop. I don't jokes. remember any poop yeah. jokes. But we probably did do it. <laughs> All right, thank you everyone for joining us, and we'll see you next time on History Tweets. Good day, and we'll get Timmy to post an old. Bye. Bye bye. Good day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.